We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks so much for joining us. Today is Saturday, July 29th, 2023. We're getting so close to the trade deadline, folks. And we're going to talk about some trades that have happened. Mainly one trade that happened that's of, of interest over the last couple of days. But we're also going to be profiling some young hitters, some that you probably have a lot of familiarity with and some that you may not and who we have a, think have a chance to be helpers down the stretch. But let's start with those headlines. And Drew, there was a really interesting one, and I forgot to mention that Drew Silva is my uh, co-host today. I, I'm sorry, Drew. That's me. That's you. That's, that's you, all right. buddy. Uh, that's, it's, that's, it's your show, man. I'm just a guest. <laughs> yeah, it's just my show. Absolutely. Um, Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly head from the Chicago White Sox to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, if you just take a look at Lance Lynn's numbers with a 6-9 and nine record and a 6.47 ERA, you'd be wondering why we're leading the show off. But Drew, I think we all know that Lance Lynn has a track record of being pretty darn successful. And the metrics suggest that Lance Lynn has not been this bad in 2023. The White Sox defense certainly hasn't helped. Pitching in that park certainly hasn't helped. I think Lance Lynn has a chance to be a pretty solid fantasy contributor over the last couple of months. Are you interested or is he somebody that you probably, maybe you're taking a wait and see approach? I, I, Lynn to me is he's just still the same like fastball throwing dude throws like four different versions of a fastball decent strikeout rate like and, mm-hmm. and I know what you're talking about um he certainly had some bad luck and some bad defense behind him and you could see the change of scenery and there's this perception that the Dodgers have some pitching magic but it didn't work for like Noah Syndergaard um oh, sure I, I I don't know he, I, I wouldn't expect him to be a whole lot more than just like an innings eater in Los Angeles, which is something they needed with the injuries to the pitching staff and some of the younger arms not really showing MLB readiness quite yet. So he's like a fine fit. Um, I do see the ERA improving because how could it not from 6.47? Is that what it is right now? Yes. Um, and I bought him I bought him a beer at a Blues game once. Nice, nice guy. I, I, I like him, but he's been hit hard all season. It's not just the defense like he's given up the most earned runs and the most homers of any major league pitcher this year um so maybe the era drops with just a little natural regression pitching in a better ballpark just joining a better team and being a little bit more motivated um but i'm not expecting 
really any sort of dominance. I think Joe Kelly's a really nice fit uh, for like setup duty, which is something that's been kind of, I mean, there's been injuries and, and ineffectiveness in the Dodgers bullpen. He stabilizes that. I actually thought the White Sox did pretty well here. I mean, yes. like, who knows with with lower tier or mid tier pitching prospects, but Nick Nestrini looks like a, a promising starting pitching mm-hmm. prospect. Lots of strikeouts in the minors. Not a great ERA, but you can tell there's something there just looking at the numbers. Jordan Leisure is a fast rising reliever with a ton of swing and miss. Like he he's been at Double A. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shot with the White Sox down the stretch. He looks like he's just about ready. So. I don't know. The White Sox flip an aging starter and an aging reliever for a young cost-controlled starter and a young cost-controlled reliever. I I I would say that it was I don't know. It, it, I think it was kind of an overpay by the Dodgers, but it addressed some some needs that that they you know and and with the Lucas Giolito Hall too. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I tend to turn these shows into Cardinals podcasts, but like <laughs> I, I feel really good about what they're set up to get for Jordan Montgomery, especially, and even Jack yeah. Flaherty. Like, sure. if Lynn fetches this and Lynn and Kelly, but I don't know, you could package Flaherty and Hicks and get something pretty special in return. Well, I got to be honest with you. After I saw the return for these guys, as much as I don't want the Mariners to move Logan Gilbert, I can't even imagine what they would get for him because if he's yeah. to talk about cost controlled and the fact that he's had success at the highest level, by the way, with Lynn, it's worth pointing out 6.47 ERA expected ERA of 4.84 is significantly lower. It's not good. Like Lance Lynn hasn't yeah. been great. And like in July, he hasn't been uh, very good whatsoever, but I do think he's got a chance to be the guy who gives you a lot of, Six inning, three run starts give you those W. If you're chasing wins, especially, I think Lynn is a lot more interesting. But be prepared to take some clunkers, man, because you know he's not going to make all of his starts in Dodger Stadium, and there has been some lack of success. It's also worth pointing out that he's 36 years old. But real quick on Nostrini, uh, a lot of people I talked to thought Nostrini was a top 75 prospect coming into the year. Mm. He had a 3.93 ERA last year, which isn't great, but he struck out 169 batters in 27 starts over 116 and two-thirds innings, 85 strikeouts in 73 and two-thirds innings. Kind of similar to Ryan Pepiot in the fact that the stuff, there's no question that he can start. It's a question mark of whether or not he can throw enough strikes to do so because he's got a 70 fastball, 60 slider, yeah. shows two-plus pitches in his curveball and change as well. Everything here is here for him to be a starter. I know a lot of people said, like, I saw some people on Twitter saying, well, I wish you didn't go out to the White Sox. Um, the White Sox are not bad at developing pitching, guys. It's not it, – they're not great at it, but they've developed some pretty darn good arms. Now, most of it a have, few yeah. years ago, but it is worth pointing out that it, it. I do think this Strini has a chance to be a solid starter, and I'm glad you brought up Kelly as well. It's also just fun to see Joe Kelly back in a uh, Los Angeles Dodgers uniform for one of the greatest men yeah. of all time. Yeah, the uh, tongue out um, yes. <laughs> at, at the Astros. But also, uh, uh, Kendall Graveman, that trade kind of flew under the radar, too. Sure, the yeah. Fifth, the fifth White Sox pitcher to, to get dealt so far. <sighs> yeah. um, Ryan Presley is just like the locked-in closer in Houston. Mm-hmm. I don't see – I mean, like, maybe Graveman gets a, a save chance here or there. Um, I don't think there's a ton of fantasy fallout with that deal, but I, I found it interesting going back to Houston where he pitched in 2020 at the end of 2021 into the playoffs. Um, so th- that was a nice addition for the Astros as they, they try to make up some ground and try to catch the Rangers at the top of the AL West. 
Yeah, and Corey Lee, I think, is just a backup. Yeah, yeah I don't. Type, but that's I, what I was I, thinking. Yeah, yeah I, at one point he looked like he might be a, a borderline top 100 prospect type. Well, he was a borderline top 100 prospect type who looked like he might be a starter. Edgar Caro is the catcher of the future there, but Corey Lee maybe gets a chance down the stretch and gets a chance to uh, and, get some play. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it, it firmly establishes Yainar Diaz as the the catcher of the future for the Astros too, Shh, which we're he gonna, we're we're going to talk about him in a little. Oh bit. yeah, I forgot he's on your list. <laughs> yes, sir. We will talk <laughs> that's, about that's him. Called, that's called a tease. Yes, very good tease, my friend. Uh speaking of teases in no way whatsoever. Uh, Aaron Judge is back after missing a significant amount of time with his injury. But I did think some he made some interesting comments, Drew, where he said that he is back, but he is not 100%. Now, I think everybody knows that when Aaron Judge is on the field, he's extremely fantasy relevant. I do believe he set some sort of American League record last year, and he was having a pretty darn good season up until that injury. I guess I'll just ask you, Drew, how concerned are you by the fact that he's going to be playing at less than 100% over these final couple of months? I don't know what to expect here. Um, you know, he drew three walks in his first game back Friday against the Orioles, didn't swing the bat much. Yeah. But like you said, it's not like this is a hard decision in fantasy. When Aaron Judge is active, he's in your fantasy starting lineup. With it being a toe injury, you know, you'd hope that his power is unaffected and that he's able to, like, rack up a bunch of homers and RBIs over the next two months. Probably won't run much. You know, it's easy to forget he had 16 steals last year to go along with that new AL record, 62 home runs. So I, I wouldn't expect to get many or any steals from him the rest of the way, but Good he's sitting at 19 homers right now. I, it, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he reaches the, the 30 homer threshold, which is pretty impressive for a guy who missed like almost two months um, yeah uh, but i again like i don't think you or i or maybe even aaron judge or e even the yankees really know how this is going to work out it's a bit of a desperation move perhaps but the yankees have so. to kind of be 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 playing desperate ball and if he got clearance from a doctor that he can't make it any worse or you know that they can address it in the off season maybe with some kind of procedure all right then let's let's see what it looks like as as we try to make the playoffs. Like, um, I I, I totally get why he's back, and I mean, if if you're a fantasy manager with Aaron Judge, you're pretty excited about it, even though you know there's there's some reasons to be a little bit uncertain about what this is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, look, it's Aaron Judge. It's still you know even if they uh even if he isn't going to run much, I think you're going to see him at designated hitter an awful lot for the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, maybe a chance to get into the outfield in the deeper portion of the season, but doesn't really affect you because he's his outfield eligibility was locked in an awful long time ago. I mean, I guess the thing with Aaron judge would be if somebody's offering me a haul for him, like somebody's like a big judge fan and thinks that he can help you. I think you got to consider it. Like, I don't think you're going to see yeah the same type of results that you did prior to the injury. I just don't. That's a, that's a tough thing to do. Or rather, banking on those results is tough. I, nothing Aaron Judge does would surprise me. He's one of the very best players in baseball. Heck, he might be, if Shohei Otani didn't exist, the best player in baseball when you combine everything that he can do. But I would be tempted to move him if somebody is willing to offer me something that can help me down the stretch, which is weird to say because... You know, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Ron Lacuna, those guys are usually the guys I just kind of have locked in. But I would be a little bit tempted 
to uh, make a move if somebody offers me something yeah. real shiny. I agree with that. With, with the uncertainty um, and the chance like that he, hey, maybe he has to go back to the IL. Maybe this does, does, doesn't work. Um, and maybe there's someone in your fantasy league who's not necessarily paying attention to the news and just saw that Judge was sure. active and doesn't realize that he's not fully back to 100% health um, and that this issue, this this toe injury is going to linger. Hey, take advantage of of knowing more than other people in your league. Thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> so Aaron Judge is back, and a name that is not of that ilk, but wasn't long ago from being a pretty darn good pitcher is going to be returning, Drew. Uh, Hunjin Rio is going to make his 2023 debut in his first start since last year on Tuesday. Um, this is an interesting situation to me. It sounds like the Blue Jays are going to go with a six-man rotation for a little while. When Ryu has been successful, he's been real successful, but has never been a big swing and miss guy. Always been a guy who's limited hard contact. A little nervous about having his debut come this late in the year, and I'm worried about some inning stuff. So I guess my answer to the question I'm going to ask you is kind of, but not really. How interested are you in Hyunjin Ryu for the rest of 2023? Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much sums up my feeling on it. Yeah, that start will be uh, in Toronto against the visiting Orioles. So it'll, it'll be right. a ni- nice interdivision test there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rio was really good on his minor league rehab assignment, an ERA of 2.00, 16 strikeouts, one walk and four starts covering 18 innings. Like you said, it'll be a six man rotation for the Blue Jays for the next couple of weeks. And then some off days set in like toward the middle of August. So they'll have to make a decision. You know, Sometimes those decisions are made for you. There's some kind of injury, but that's going to be really interesting because honestly, like Alec Manoa has been there worst starter over the last few weeks like but they don't want to toy with him i would think I, so I, who knows like you say kikuchi has been really good recently mm-hmm. um obviously kevin gosman's awesome um jose barrios has been good chris bassett is always super solid like they're yep. gonna have an interesting decision of all these guys are healthy to where maybe they just put ryu in like a a, a long relief role you know after he makes two starts which which right. wouldn't shock me He's 36 years old. He wasn't great in 2021 or 2022 before the Tommy John surgery. I could see him as a streamer. Um, maybe not against the Orioles. I'd want to see what he looks like first. Sure. And maybe the start after that, I, I could probably look up who he would get after that. It'll be at Cleveland. That would be one that I would definitely consider streaming. Um, you know, take a chance and see if he's yeah. worth ro- rostering the rest of the way. But there's a chance that he does not stick in the Blue Jays rotation because they have better options they have better options and look they are a team that is fighting for their lives in that wild card situation as well they can't be too patient with Rio and also I wouldn't be shocked if they were in the market for another starter because the guys you mentioned they're they're good they have a pretty good rotation but they may be looking for that top of the rotation type of arm they may be looking for something with a little more solidity so they don't have to go with the six-man rotation because I just got to be honest with you I can't trust you say Kikuchi down the stretch. I I know he's been pretty good. That's a tough one for me. I'd love to see what he can do. Max effort and relief for a couple of innings too. I think he could be really good in that type of role, but yeah, take a look and see. Um, I think the streaming call is a great call, especially against somebody like Cleveland where you can take advantage of the lack of patience in that lineup and just the lack of talent in that lineup as well. Um, 
Somebody drew that got placed on the injured list. That's kind of a bummer. I don't think we talked enough. Well, we certainly didn't talk enough about it on this podcast. Jonah Heim has been really good. He's hit 280, mm-hmm. 337, 479 with 14 homers and 70 RBIs. But you're not going to see him for a little bit. He is going on the injured list with, I believe, a flexor strain. Um, something along those lines, anyway, in his uh, in the wrist area. This is a bummer for people who have Heim as their starting catcher because he's been somebody you almost assuredly didn't draft who has put up catcher one numbers and then some. Yeah. Got any suggestions for some replacements here, Drubert? Yeah, well, I, I don't. We don't really have the full details on this injury yet. It they just called it a a strained tendon in his wrist. Strained tendon. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, because the flexor is more toward the forearm. I, right. I don't. I don't. I don't know what exactly is going on. He's gonna. He. I saw when he did it on an awkward swing on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It looks like may, maybe like a hamate type situation before, but I guess that's not fractured. He's going to try a rest and rehab program for the next two to three weeks before maybe going in for season ending surgery. Um, I, I feel like that's sadly where this is heading to surgery. That's probably going to knock him out for the year, but we don't really know enough to speculate on that, which yeah, it's, it's a bummer because he's been a huge part of this surge for the Rangers. A first time all-star you listed the numbers, which are pretty darn good for a, a fantasy catcher. Oh yeah. Um, Texas can can plug in Mitch Garver and be all right. Sam Huff is up too. He's a former top prospect at the position. Um, I think actually, if if you were a fantasy manager with Heim, you go get Garver. Um, I think he he takes on a lot more fantasy appeal in an everyday role, joining an everyday role in that offense that has been good all season. Um, he has that 31 homer year on his resume from um, from many years ago in, in Minnesota, but he has good pop. Um, I'd look at him. There's like Elias Diaz is out there on, on waivers, but the Rockies are probably going to trade him. And when he leaves Coors Field, he's not nearly as interesting. That's a good um, point. I, I think I would go with Garver. I think, yeah, I think you almost like just stay internal and, and just grab the guy that, that, that's going to replace him. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And I would take maybe if he's not available – Take a look at Huff. Uh, the power has always been there for him. Um, a guy who was a Futures Game MVP and has shown some success at the highest level as well. Um, not great. The other name that just immediately comes to mind is he doesn't play every day, but Tom Murphy is crushing the baseball right now. Up to a 550 slugging percentage and a 286 average. Guaranteed to be in the lineup against lefties. There are very few players who have been as good against left-handed pitching, not just catchers, but... This is a Cal rally. Big dumper is going to get the majority of the results back there, but they, the Mariners need his bat in the lineup right now. They just don't have yeah. a lot of consistency. And with Mike Ford struggling too, I think Tom Murphy is going to get a lot of reps back there. Yeah. He, he was at DH uh, on, what was that on Friday? Yep. Um, so I, he's going to get turns at DH too, while he's on this hot streak. I think that's a pretty good recommendation as well. Yeah. And it shouldn't cost you a dang thing. Uh, Daniel asks any thoughts on Cindergaard's return, Cleveland is magic with pitching, uh, like magic, magic. I still can't take Noah Cindergaard seriously, unfortunately. I, I, I got that trade. I think it was in- interesting one for both teams. Um, Ahmad Rosario has been one. I, I have a buddy who uh, talks about the Cleveland Guardians nonstop to me and cannot get over how bad. Uh, Ahmad Rosario's defense was at shortstop. So I understand my buddy actually joked that he thinks they made that trade so that uh, Frank Kona could stop putting him in the lineup as often as he was because they do have some young options there. 
And look, yeah. Cleveland does need some help in the rotation, which is a weird thing to say considering how much depth they had coming into the year. Maybe Cindergard can turn things around a little bit. Maybe you use him as a streamer, but I'm certainly not trusting him as a fantasy option for the remainder of the season. Would you agree, Drew? Yeah, I'm I'm in total lockstep there. I mean, yeah. if the Dodgers pitching magic didn't work, I don't know if Cleveland's pitching magic is going to work either. We could I have think. a fun little uh, debate and, about which team has better pitching magic, by the way. Yeah, and you could also kind of do a retrospective on Noah Syndergaard's career and say that, I mean, he was like a frontline starter for a very short period. Yeah, you know? that's fair. It's it's not. I I think people like kind of just remember him as being like a, a a like a steady ace for longer than he he actually was. Yeah, and there are injuries. It's not like all his no, fault or anything. Of course. It's just it, it it's just like I, I he's he hasn't been a like a dominant starter in a long time, and and he was only a dominant starter for like a very a very short time. They, he only had two seasons with a win above replacement, according to ESPN, above four twice in yeah. his career, a couple of 2.3 seasons, and then negative 0.8 this year, 0. 0.6, uh, 1.2 uh, in 2022, negative 0. 0.1. It, it, it was a short thing. I think the thing about Syndergaard that was so intriguing was he was that first dude who started throwing sliders in the 90 mile per hour range. And I think we had right, to remember yeah. that. Like that was so intriguing. Like, holy crap, you're throwing like an above average fastball uh, for sliders. Now, if you throw 92, you're wondering if he can even stick in the uh, AAA rotation, much less. In yeah. major league. He, he, he was awesome to watch like in his, oh, yeah. his prime, but I, I, and think, I, have, I think we're over that now. And I will appreciate him forever for um, his uh, run with Richard Staff and his jokes about his wife leaving him as well. That will be something oh, yeah. that yeah. I always enjoy. <laughs> Go follow Richard Staff. There's my one recommendation. Follow us and stuff on Twitter as well. But Richard Staff is a pretty darn good It's called follow. X now, actually, Chris. Oh, yeah. That's, I'm not going to call it that ever. Uh, we'll get into okay. the discussion on hitters on the rise and some of that you're maybe not thinking of right now. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We know the weather can impact for how far a ball can fly, but we never really know what all that heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. The Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index 10 for the whole game average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game so you can see what it will be in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Now, right now, you can get access to the HRF Premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homebrunforecast.com now to sign up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, let's look at those on-the-rise hitters. And, Drew, we're going to ignore Corbin Carroll. I'm just noticing that when neither one of us mentioned him. And, we're, and the reason we're going to ignore Corbin Carroll is because Yes, the MVP candidate is a very, or an MVP candidate any year Ronald Acuna Jr. doesn't exist, is a pretty good fantasy player to target. And we're going to talk about some guys who are a little more obvious as well that are going to be uh, well done, that type of thing. But maybe you quite aren't quite considering them enough. So that's the reason we're going to bring these guys up. We've got some good young hitters on this list, Drew. It's a good time for baseball, man. And the fact that we're not talking about guys like Julio Rodriguez and Fernando Tatis Jr. and stuff like that just goes to show you that there is so much young talent in baseball right now. I I wanted to sprinkle in some some names that are definitely known and have been up for for a while or even all year and and some guys that are maybe a little bit lesser known to Mm -hmm. try to help the the listeners in in fantasy i'll start with matt mcclain who's yeah my my first hitter on the rise he obviously took a big backseat to ellie de la cruz leading into the season in terms of reds prospects who were on the radar to like be impactful in fantasy this year but then mcclain beat De La Cruz to the majors, which wasn't unexpected with the age difference and minor league experience. But man, McLean has just looked like he belongs from the get go. The contact rate is up there with the elite hitters in baseball. The swing, swinging strike rate is low. Like those, the same type of metrics tell you he doesn't chase pitches 
um, a very competent hitter at such a young age. And he's actually improved as he's gone along this year, too, in, in terms of getting balls in the air with the barrel rate. Um, 10 homers, eight steals through his first 63 major league games. A lot of those homers coming since the beginning of June. Um, an overall 305 average, 375 on base, 900 OPS. There are like Babbitt, you know, batting average on balls and play concerns here where maybe he's having some luck and he's probably going to be more of like a 270 or 280 hitter moving forward with, with you know, the normal run of, of, of just enjoying less luck. But he can steal more bases than he has. He had 27 steals in 103 minor league games last year. So I think we're talking about a potential 2020 shortstop. And I think it's telling that the Reds did not move him off shortstop uh, when they brought up De La Cruz. Like they really sure. believe that McLean is, is the long-term answer at short. And, and also the, the, yeah, the immediate answer at short, he was torturing it at AAA Louisville prior to his promotion. Um, the standard stats, the more advanced stats, it all paints a really encouraging picture picture of what Matt McClain is and can be in the future. He's been batting second for the Reds from the jump, too, and actually recently seeing some time in the three spot. You you love those spots in the lineup for fantasy production. Just He's fully arrived, and he's in a good home ballpark. He's in a good situation in general on an interesting young Reds team to – you know, to continue to be an impactful player. He's got second base eligibility too. Um, he played a bit of outfield in the minors. Maybe you could see him out there. It just has the positional versatility and the athleticism uh, with the offensive production to match at Great American Ballpark. It, it's a, just a really strong fantasy profile for what he can be the rest of the way in 2023 and beyond. Yeah, I think that's a great call. And I, I do think that he got shipped under the radar a little bit because of just how many quality infield prospects that they have. And they've got a couple more on the way. Noel V. Marte, it looks like he's knocking down the door as well, has yeah. a slim chance to help this year, but I think they'll probably wait until 2024 or could be involved in a trade. I hope the Reds are aggressive. I really hope that they are a team that tries. Um, their fan base deserves it. To, we've talked about their ownership at nauseum and how bad they are. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Where are you going go? well, to go? It's hopefully the postseason in spite of that guy. Um, I wanted to combo uh, these two guys because they are two guys that are certainly well-known. But I think that these are two guys that I'd be targeting, even though they're kind of heading in different directions. It's Tristan Costas and Jordan Walker. Now, I if you've been listening to these podcasts for these last couple of weeks, our buddy Ryan Boyer has been knocking down the Tristan Casas web that he is a guy that you need to be rostering. Uh, in the month of July, he's hitting 375, 470, 478, 857 with seven homers and his 56 at bats. That's pretty good, true. And this is a guy that offensively, he is one of the most talented young hitters in baseball. My only concern with him is the fact that in 2023, he's just not going to get a chance to play against left-handed pitching, and that's going to hurt the counting stats a little bit, but he's so good against right-handers, it doesn't really matter. Like, they, you are going to get production, and the rates are going to be good. Makes hard contact, good approach at the plate. Uh, you can see that he's improving his selectivity as the year goes on, which is awesome to see, but also becoming more assertive. Like, if you throw him a first-pitch fastball, he's a guy who's willing to swing at that pitch. On the other side of the spectrum, look, Jordan Walker's numbers in July have not been very good, but this guy passes the eye test as much as any prospect in baseball to me. Yeah. Like, he stings the baseball. And I'll say this too, Drew, there was an actual reason to send this guy down. His defense was horrible, horrible. 
I think it's looked better since he's been called up. He looks more comfortable in the corner outfield spot. Um, it was kind of interesting. I think the natural thought was left field would be better for him because of the fact that, you know, playing third base, maybe a little bit better with the angle, mm -hmm. but neither position has been great for him. Let's just be honest. And this is never going to be a defensive stalwart. I don't think he's a future DH though. And for this year, it doesn't matter if he is a future DH because you, again, the outfield eligibility is locked up. I also think because unfortunately, Drew, your Cardinals are probably not going to the postseason in 2023. You're going to see him play an awful lot because you're going to see if this yep. guy is like the, because I don't think that the Cardinals are interested in a long-term rebuild. I don't think that's something that they were looking for. I mean, if things completely fall apart and like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt get dealt, I'll obviously change my mind because they obviously changed their mind. But I just think offensively that these two guys, especially Walker, as good as Cassis is, have a chance to be special. And I think you're seeing, even with the low batting average in July, that Walker is figure th figuring things out. And it wouldn't shock me if he was actually a fantasy difference maker over these last couple of months. I agree. I think... Jordan Walker has like league winning potential down the stretch, which is impressive yep. at such a young age. When, when he gets going, like yeah. he is an impressive, impressive hitter. I mean, I want them to trade. We did a whole Cardinals podcast with Jeff Erickson last week. So I, I'm, I'm not going to bore people with my more of my takes, but I, I want them to trade Paul Goldschmidt. I think Jordan Walker would be a good long-term first baseman. Um, yeah, me too. I'm, I, but whatever, we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Volpe is is my next one, and uh, there have been a lot of ups and downs with Volpe this year, like some some really bad stretches, some more promising ones, um, and then the overall counting stats that uh, you'd have to label it as at least like useful in most fantasy formats: thirteen homers, eighteen steals through his first one hundred and three major league games as a twenty two year old shortstop. He was twenty one when he made the Yankees opening day roster back in March, the overall batting line is rough to look at Uh 210 average 284 mm -hmm. on base percentage, 660 OPS. The weighted runs created plus is ugly too. Um, but he has made some mechanical adjustments over the course of the year. He talked a lot about it in June Um, and it shows in the numbers that they've, they've helped him fare better against big league breaking stuff. I do love that the Yankees have stuck with him. There have been calls for him to be demoted from Yankees Twitter or Yankees X now or whatever we're calling it. Um, but, but if you look at the production since about mid-June when he was talking about making these mechanical adjustments, it's it's become a lot more consistent and reliable. OPS of six, 767 over his last 131 plate appearances compared to a 605 OPS in his first 205 plate appearances this year. You know, Volpe's young and he's learning and, you know, the power and speed skill set is there and that, you know, the counting stats will only be elevated as he rounds into more of a complete hitter and is able to hit breaking balls and recognize breaking balls a little bit better than than he had in, in at least the first half of the season. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's 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 promising signs that he can finish strong this year. He's already kind of doing that. He was sure. dropped in a lot of leagues early on once the initial excitement of, of his arrival kind of waned, I, I'd pick him back up if he's out there. You know, he, he could be flirting with 25 steals and near 20 homers when all is said and done, uh, even if the batting line probably won't fully recover from the poor April and May. But again, if you look at what he's done since mid-June, combined with the pop and the speed, he's a very useful fantasy player. And if he's, he's out there, I'd, 
I'd go grab him and I'd, I'd expect him to to finish strong over these final two months. For sure. And again, we talk about this a lot, Drew. His numbers in April and May, if you pick him up, have nothing to do with you. Yeah, those numbers are exactly gone. You right. are only yeah. getting the things that you are going to get further on. And I, I think that's a great call. Uh, Volpe's talent is superb, and I would expect a very big final third of the season from him. Uh, Drew, there's a rookie that I don't think people are talking about enough that has, in the month of July, hit 362, 431, and 466 over 58 plate appearances. Do you have any idea who that is? I don't have your list pulled up or else I would know. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's Andrew Monasterio, who is playing second base for the Milwaukee Brewers. He's doing a darn good. Yeah, there you go. He's doing a darn good job Uh, in his 115 plate appearances overall. He's hitting 307, 391, 416. Now, look, if you're looking for power, look elsewhere. If you're looking, though, for a guy who can hit for a high average and maybe provide some help with stolen bases, and he's stolen four bases in that time frame, yeah, Monasterio is absolutely someone I'd be looking for at a position that's just not very good right now, Drew, playing that second base position and getting a chance to do it quite a bit for a team that, you know, the the Brewers infield, it looked like it could be decent this year, has not been great. But Monasterio's provided some help. It is worth pointing out that his hard hit percentage of 30.3 suggests that there might be some regression there, but there's not a ton of swing and miss here. And here's what I really like. His walk percentage of 12.2, that's excellent. A 12.2 walk percentage for anybody is pretty good. For a rookie is really good. I think Andrew Monasterio is somebody that isn't getting nearly enough attention. I don't expect fantasy, like all the guys that we mentioned before him, much higher upside. But if you're talking about a floor of just being a guy who can hit 280, 290, get on at that 350, 360 clip, steal some bases and score some runs for a team that looks like they're going to the postseason, I'll certainly take that. And I think he's available in a lot of leagues. Why not go get him and take a chance? Yeah, and we'll we'll see what the Brewers do at the deadline, but there are opportunities yeah. all over that Great call. infield. I mean, yeah, Bryce Terang has been bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pushed back Brian Anderson's return from the IIL. He's going to be out through at least mid-August, it sounds like. I mean, they're playing like Abraham Toro at first base. <laughs> um, Owen Miller's had like good stretches and then really bad stretches. Like there are, there are opportunities there for Monastery. And even Willie Adamas has been a letdown. They're, yeah. they're going to add some offense. I'm like, I, I would be almost certain of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But you never know what the Brewers, like, I mean, the, they might actually do trade. Like, I mean, they, they traded Josh Hader last year when they were leading the NL Central. It, I, it wouldn't, like, blow me away if they traded, like, a Freddie Peralta or a Corbin Burns. They know they're not going to be able to lock up all those guys. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, I I, I think their fans would, like, revolt, but. They they yeah. kind of have to operate well have to operate that way. It's just yes. the way they operate. They That's they the are they the the smallest market team in baseball. To be fair, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're really hurting financially. <laughs> no, um, okay. yeah. My my next one is Patrick Bailey, and this is maybe digging into some lesser talked about youngsters from actually my next few here. But mm-hmm. um, he's like the new the new Joey Bart uh, out there in San Francisco as the Giants yeah. catcher. Hopefully, a better version in terms of like making an, a, a sustained impact that's a, sustainability has, has not been Bart's thing so far in the big leagues. Uh, Bailey was the 13th overall pick in that 2020 COVID draft out of NC state moved pretty quickly through the giant system. You can see in the minor league numbers that there were initial struggles 
with each level jump, but then he figures it out. And I kind of like to see that. Like it just it's it's like a natural progression, a natural advancement of a hitter. And he's kind of done that at every level. Like the, the minor league numbers won't wow you when you just go look at them, but dig into him a bit more and he gets better each time. Like he gets more sure. reps at a different level, playing against better competition. Um, we've seen some of that in the majors offensively too. And the defense seems excellent. Like he's throwing out base runners and, and, and draws high praise from the Giants pitchers. He's getting Buster Posey comps in that regard mm-hmm. with the way he can handle a pitching staff. Um, there hasn't been much power from Bailey this month, especially. It's been kind of a rough July overall for him at the plate, at least in terms of power. But um and I don't think he should be a starting catcher on like any competitive standard fantasy team right now, but the trajectory on the whole here is very promising. Um, if you'll allow me, Chris, to cite a clutch stat here, Please. Bailey's batting three, <laughs> Bailey's batting 375 with an 1113 OPS with runners mm-hmm. in scoring position. And it's a sample size of over 70 plate appearances. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that probably generally means nothing, but it, it sort of backs up the intangible stuff that the Giants pitchers and, sure. and manager Gabe Kapler and president Farhan Zaidi have, have talked about with Billy. They really like him. Um, and I could see him being like an under the radar breakout candidate at catcher going into 2024, um, like a late round pick that suddenly might flourish. I'm, I'm not saying you should go grab him for the rest of the way in 2023, but I don't think he's being talked about a lot. And I think he deserves a little bit more, more notice going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in a two catcher league, some somebody that I'd sure. be looking at as well. Um, it's interesting. He kind of fell off the radar after a little bit after a, a disappointing second season after being a first round pick out of NC State. But baseball development, certainly not linear, Drew. We know that as well as anybody. For catchers, too, you know. Oh, for catchers, especially. Uh, There's certainly offensive upside. I will mention this, by the way. If Joey Bart gets a change of scenery, he's a little more intriguing to me. I will say that. I think that his time in San Francisco is probably over as a starting catcher anyway. I think that Bailey has this locked up. It's also worth pointing out that Blake Sable is perfectly capable of catching and another rookie hitter that's at least worth looking at. Um, It's interesting that you brought up a lack of pop. I'm going to bring up somebody with a lot of pop, and that's Matt Walner, who immediately made my list after watching him play against uh, Seattle and hitting a upper deck opposite field home run, which is not easy to do. That is take some real strong words we're not allowed to say power in order to be able to reach those levels. Um, look, Walner is, was not the most highly thought of prospect, but has been on the rise, has more than held his own in the majors after a slow start after getting called up in July, now has an OPS over 900. Uh, the concern here is Minnesota has about 15 players that – look like Matt Walner and play like Matt Walner. And I think sure. that's not going to be a problem though, in the next three days, they are going to make some moves. Uh, I yeah. imagine that maybe you could see Joey Gallo move it for a starting pitching type or a prospect type of thing. I actually think the Mariners, if you're listening, Joey Gallo, it's not a bad little comp, sure. not a bad little thing. Uh, although I also was going to mention Cade Marlowe in this thing, who has really impressed me over his small sample as well. Um, but yeah, I think Joey Gallo would absolutely make sense in a few different places. But if you're talking about looking for some power, there's no question Walner has it. He has a good approach at the plate. Might hurt you a little bit in the average category because there is some swing and miss there, but has had several multi-hit games as of late. Did go over five yesterday to kind of ruin it, but went had two hits the game before that. I like Walner, and I think that the fact that he's up with Minnesota right now 
even with all of these left-handed swingers who look exactly like him, suggests that he has a future in the long term and the short term. Uh, another sort of unheralded dude here, Michael Garcia of the Royals, mm. most mostly playing third base, but also a bit of shortstop and second base, and has generally been known more for his speed than his bat as he came mm -hmm. up. Uh, through through the minor leagues, 39 steals in 118 minor league games last year. But just check out where he ranks in hard hit rate among major league third basemen right now. He's he's right there with Josh Young. He's ahead of Austin Riley. Um, and on exit velocity, on, on fly balls and line drives, Garcia ranks really high too around some of those same names. So this is like more than just a speed guy, even if it's been more doubles and triples than Homer so far in the big leagues. I think the potential is there for him to grow into like a somewhat legitimate power hitter with the ability to get 25 plus steals with ease. If he has a starting role, which he, he does right now. And, you know, at, at this point, the Royals should and have committed to giving him that starting role. Right now, it's at third base, but he can play second and a little bit of short. Bat and leadoff all this month, too. If you haven't been watching the Royals, which I understand why you haven't, um, he's <laughs> kind of, I mean, this is a dude that's on the rise and has the kind of skill set that we love in fantasy with, again, more power to tap into. Like in one of those, you know, corner infield slots and in deeper leagues, I'm on board with Garcia being a, a fantasy scoring numbers compiler the rest of the way here in 2023. Again, not the steals is like gives you the good base floor, but I think there's going to be some, some more power in there, too. And I think leading into 2024, he's going to be a, a popular like sleeper pick in drafts. The, the indicators are there that he's a better hitter than what the four home runs will tell you right now. Like he doesn't strike out much. He makes contact and it's been high quality contact a, a lot of the time recently. Um, so I'm, pr I'm pretty high on what he could become for the Royals who need, you know, some more stuff. I guess we're not talking about Bobby Witt Jr. on this show either though, but he's made some um, like, he's like, looks like a totally different hitter right now, which has for worked sure. for him. Yeah. He, he's he he need, he needed to make some changes um but i i mean like I, if you if you play fantasy baseball and you consume fantasy baseball content you know all about Bobby Witt Jr but i i think he's actually like turning into what we thought he could be now he did you see that walk off grand slam like that no. pitch do you know how many there's like four hitters i can think of in baseball who can do what he did like <laughs> To yeah. hit that kind of velocity on the inside and get your hands through the zone quick enough get to all, do that. Yeah, is, to get around on that thing. Yeah, that's it, that's it, insane. It, yeah. That is absolutely yeah. insane. All of the talent is there. Approach needs some work for sure. But yeah, Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be a star. I have very little doubt about it. I have some doubts about whether or not this guy is a star. And I was very upset when you brought him up before I was ready to. But I want to talk about Yainer Diaz because, look, if you are talking about a catcher position that, again, Always not good. It's just like the tight end position. We say, hey, it's getting better, and it always ends up being something that's a little bit of a cesspool. But Yarner Diaz has hit five home runs in the month of July in only 19 games. And if you took a, take a look at the metrics, he's kind of a fascinating one to look at because his expected slugging percentage is in the 96th percentile. His expected batting average is in the 81st percentile. Expected weighted on-base average, or x gone is in the 81st percentile, barreling the baseball well above average. Strikeouts are down. The problem with the Ionier Diaz is, is that you and I are going to walk more than he is at the end of the year somehow. Like, his approach at the plate is 
just awful. Jeremy Pena-esque of last year in the bottom one percentile. And he's also not a great defensive catcher. He has a strong throwing arm, um, but his framing is, the last time I checked, among the worst in baseball as well. And because we don't have those robot umpires praying for him every night, but that we don't have them yet. That is going to be a little bit of an issue, but he's getting in the lineup a lot. Uh, Power. You've got to be, if you're listening to this, there's got to be somebody out there who's looking for just a chance to hit some balls over the fence. And Yainer Diaz, if there's one thing he can do, it is definitely that. And I think he can help you enough in average to justify the fact that his approach is uh, icky pants. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Alvarez returning to DH kind of dinged him on playing. Uh, he should he should catch over Martin Maldonado, who's yeah. has, who, who just can't hit. Yeah. Uh, but Dusty Baker is Dusty Baker, and yeah. so I, I worry about the playing time down the stretch. But, but like we said at the top of the show, Diaz is, is going to be the catcher of the future in Houston. And, I mean, if, if the Astros want to make a run at, at winning the AL West, they should have him in the lineup every day. You know, I, figure I out totally a way agree. to do it. Totally agree. I, I mean, like, like Alvarez could play some outfield a little bit too. There, there's a way to do it, Dusty. Figure it out. Um, <laughs> Trey Cabbage is my final one. And I, I don't know. Maybe this changes if the Angels get a first baseman at the trade deadline, which I think they might. Maybe. Um, Jared Walsh has cratered and was DFA'd this earlier this week i, I feel, I feel bad stinks. for that guy me too it was like it, it was kind of a weird story i i think there's more going on there i think we've talked about it previously like there was migraines and yeah. maybe some anxiety issues i don't i i hope he's doing all right my best um, mike moustakis is mike moustakis eduardo escobar is eduardo escobar there hasn't been much of an answer at first base for the angels this year which does currently make trey cabbage pretty interesting um before his call up he became just the second player in triple a salt lake b's history to post 20 homers and 20 steals in a season so he did that this year he he accomplished that feat by the end of june um so, and yeah 23 homers 24 steals and 81 games at triple a before joining the angels right after the all-star break he had a three rbi day earlier this week at detroit he had a huge showing at double a rocket city last year too he missed a lot of time with a fractured forearm, but when he was healthy, he posted a 327 batting average and a 1098 OPS and 136 plate appearances at double A. Uh, Cabbage was drafted by the Twins in the, in the fourth round back in 2015 out of a high school in Tennessee. They eventually released him. Uh, the Angels picked him up on a minor league deal, and I think they might have found a gem here because what he's done when healthy over the last two seasons in the minors and now in the majors has been really impressive. There's a lot of swing and miss with yeah. him. He's going to strike out a lot, but that power speed profile at first base is especially interesting. You don't get a lot of first basemen that steal bases. Um, and yeah, he could mix into the corner outfield to potentially get some outfield eligibility. Um, if, if the angels believe he can help them contend this year and they don't make big offensive upgrades that would sap him of playing time. I'm going to be a believer that, you know, take a chance on, on Trey Cabbage down the stretch and, and see if some of those minor league numbers will translate. I know that Salt Lake can be like a, a favorable hitter, hitter's sure. ballpark. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been burned on just looking at AAA numbers and assuming they're going to translate to the bigs. And there is – he strikes out a lot. But there's also – there's something here. And right now he's in a starting role at first base for the Angels, so I'll give him a shot. And even if he does fall apart, I'll just say this. I'll go on record. No player 
in Major League Baseball is a better reminder of how good sauerkraut is. Like there's even even if he mm. isn't hitting, it will remind wow. you that sauerkraut is absolutely one of the most. I do love foods. sauerkraut. Oh, it's so good, man. On a, like on a brat on a Reuben. Yeah. Oh man, what, I'm hungry. I uh I used to work at Best Buy and there was a Costco across the street. And what I would do is uh during my lunch break, I would get a hot dog, but then I would take the uh the foil and just fill it with sauerkraut so that I could take it home. I it's absolutely I just admitted to committing a crime on this podcast, but I, I absolutely did that. So good. I, I I have a I have a I have a worse one. I had a I, this is a friend, this really wasn't me, who used to go to like a convenience store, a quick trip or whatever you have in your area. Um and he would get a sprite, but then he would put two hot dogs in the in the sprite. So like to steal two hot dogs. Goodness this was college, crazy. you know. Yeah, what can we you were do? all tough times. Hey, Sorry, man, quick it's, trip. It's, it's a student loan problem. That's exactly what it That's, is. It's not exactly. us. It's why That's did you make this uh start out in debt so much? Uh, but then he'd he would have sprite flavored hot dogs. I, I don't know. Desperate times, like desperate measures. Doesn't sound like the worst thing to me, which unfortunately is true. true, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> not going out of my way. I don't expect to say a Facebook reel with that recipe uh, anytime no. soon. Uh, I just wanted to quickly close with no, he's not a rookie. And yeah, you probably are aware of how good this guy has been lately. But just in case, CJ Abrams is scorching oh, yeah. hot right now. And look, the only reason he's not a rookie is because of the fact that. The Padres, I don't think, have made a ton of mistakes with player development. I think it was a mistake to have that guy up as high as he was, especially considering the injury that he was coming off of. But in the month of July, this dude is hitting 322, 381, 517, three homers, eight RBI, which has more to do with the fact that the Nationals lineup just stinks. But he's also stolen 12 bases. And you are seeing that 80-grade speed put to play right now. I'm going to be really interested to see where Abrams goes next year, assuming he's a semblance of this player. I'm not asking him to hit 322 for the rest of the year um, or have a 517 slugging percentage for the rest of the year. But if he's a semblance of that type of player over down the stretch, it's going to be hard to not justify him as like a top 60, top 70 type of player because his, and they got to remember, he's going to be 23 next year. One of the younger players in baseball right now. I would be doing what I could to go acquire C.J. Abrams. If somebody is like out of it, and especially in the dynasty league, but even in a redraft league, like if you can go get C.J. Abrams, by all means, go do it. Because there's only a handful of shortstops, if that, who have his upside, not just for the long term, but in the short term. And the Nationals are going to let this dude play. They're going to let him run. They're going to give him a chance to be the best version of himself. C.J. Abrams is a must-get for me in any type of fantasy format for the rest of the year. Lane Thomas has been pretty useful in fantasy, too, there on the Nationals. Absolutely. Former Cardinal, of course. And someone I could Um, see being traded, by the way, um, down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could see them selling high on him and uh, Jimmer Candelario. But, yeah, those are two guys that are very interesting. And maybe Joey Manessas too, who hasn't yeah, been sure. as, as good this year. But we have other guys we didn't talk about, like Nolan Gorman, James Altman, yeah. um, uh, Gunnar Henderson. We should get into this. Uh, I don't. I actually, I was. I said that we should talk about the Rookie of the Year odds. It's not really that interesting of a discussion. Is uh, in the NL, it's over. It's Corbin yeah. Carroll. Yeah. I, I guess the AL is interesting. Corbin Carroll is minus one thousand. The next closest is Ellie De La Cruz at plus fifteen hundred. 
Um, yeah. Matt McLean at plus 2000 in the AL. It's, it's definitely interesting though. Very. Uh, Josh Young is the current favorite at plus 165. Masataki Yoshida plus 170. Gunnar Henderson plus 200. It's a, it's a three man race. Uh, Tristan Cass is at plus 2,500, I, I guess is interesting, but I, yeah. I, I, it's going to be, it's going to be young Henderson or Yoshida. I, just as like a smart betting move, like I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to predict who's going to win it because they're all so close. They're close in like just everything. Like War, they're mm-hmm. all. I think War likes Henderson a little bit better than the other two, and that he's plus two hundred. That would probably be my move. There, there there's going to be the narrative too with, hey, the Orioles. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs if they win the AL East. Like that adds to his profile. Yoshida might get dinged because he's like an older player, you know, coming over from Japan. Um, Josh Young's been awesome, and that's he has the narrative too with leading the Rangers to potentially an ALS title. But just uh, I'm not a smart better, but if I were a smart better, I think Gunnar Henderson at plus 200 would be my pick. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week uh, with the AL Cy Young stuff. I'd be kind of tempted to sprinkle a little bit on all three of those guys because you're getting plus odds. Now, maybe yeah. uh, I'd sprinkle a little more on Gunnar Henderson just because of those odds. But all three of those guys, if they're giving me plus value, and Cassis at plus 2,500 is very tempting to me. That's like, kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, bucks, absolutely. And I would say the <laughs> other one, it's too bad that he didn't get called up a little sooner or if he would have stuck around. Edouard Julien, who I wanted to talk about as well, just because I love saying that name, Edouard Julien, um, at 60 to 1 is really interesting because he has been fantastic. Also a guy and kind of one of the more obvious ones that I think everybody probably is rostered at this point because of how good mm-hmm. he's been as of late. But that would well, be a little tempting, yeah. but it's just his counting stats aren't going to be there with like Young and Henderson. Yeah. Um but that would be really tempting to me if he would have been, and obviously he wouldn't be sixty to one if he would have been called up a little bit sooner and playing a little bit more. Um, well, but Cass we, t- we talked about, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't hate that. We, but we talked about Julian like a, a few months ago when they when the Twins like sent him back down. It's like this guy needs it, and finally they move Jorge Polanco to third base to make room right. for him, which I love to see. I, yeah. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. Uh, just real quick on the National League stuff is like you take a look and Drew has this listed here. Um, you can get the field for plus 650 and then Corbin Carroll is minus 1000. The plus 650 is a sucker bet. If Corbin Carroll didn't play another game the rest of this year, yeah, exactly. He's got the rookie of the year. It's it's in now. Obviously, his MVP yeah. odds go obviously away. But if you're talking about just rookie of the year. He could hit 0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0 for the rest of the year. And Corbin Carroll's still going to get rookie of the year, folks. It is no, it is locked. It is over. That is over. All you are doing by making that plus 650 bet is you are making somebody else richer. That is all you are doing. There is zero yeah, I mean, chance. Yeah. In another year, uh, Matt McC- Ellie De La Cruz and Francisco Alvarez and Kodai Senga, especially Kodai Senga, I think actually, who's having one of the more underrated years because the Mets are oh, yeah. a trash fire, but been really good this year. Those would be interesting. But Corbin Carroll has this. It's over. It, there's a zero point. If you want some free money, go bet on him at minus 1,000. It's not going to be a lot, but you're going to get some free money. The lock of locks. I will never host this podcast again if Corbin Carroll is not the rookie of the year in 2023. 
Well, yeah, yeah. The like you said, the problem is like even if he got injured tonight, uh, and Ellie Delacruz went nuts over the final two months, Carroll would still have the the, the, the numbers, like the game oh, played and the, and the counting stats. Like it, yeah, it's over. Uh, let's do some Sunday streaming options to round up the show. I still have not won one of these against you. You know what? You got kind of close though. Let's let's be honest. This one was the first one that was kind of close because you did get a W from Tyler Anderson and he pitched okay. But Adonis Medea, or excuse me, Luis Medina, the Adonis Medea, Adonis Medea wishes he was Luis Medina. Uh, if you're listening to this, Adonis, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll just steal your thunder. I'm going with him again. Yeah, it's in Colorado. I am so impressed with what I'm seeing from this kid right now. His stuff is electric and he was borderline dominant against that Houston lineup. And guess what? The Colorado lineup who may not have Elias Diaz on Sunday, even still, uh, this is a really, really interesting play for the rest of the year. In my opinion, in fact, I'm not even sure if Luis Medina is a streamer for the rest of the year. He might be somebody that I just want on my roster because the stuff is that good. Thank you for picking a, a start at Coors field. I think I'm finally going to win one. No, um, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, I'm going Scoobal at Miami. And I mentioned him as a pitcher on the rise. Not sure. If he counted as a streamer or not. Yeah. Yeah. He dude, he's available in like 80% of leagues. Wow. Okay. People, okay. Okay. This is on Yahoo where people abandon their teams pretty early. Whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever you got to you know say uh, to make yourself get. You don't think this qualifies as a streamer? No, I'm, I can think it counts oh. as a streamer. If, he's, if, if it's in that range, I was thinking he was a little more rostered. I apologize. When I looked it up, I, I locked him in a few days ago. So I'm, I'm looking it up. Sorry if this is not good podcasting, but hang Drew on. Drew is, uh, well, here's the thing. Drew's a really honest guy. Um, in fact, sometimes too honest, like the conversations that we have, he just tells me things that I absolutely do not need to know sometimes. So I don't think he would lie about his, yeah. his roster percentage on Yahoo is 17%. He's a okay. Yeah, that definitely counts. That definitely right. counts. Whatever, whatever helps Thank you sleep you. at night. It definitely counts. <laughs> I need a win, Chris. Tell, tell me why Scooble is a good option. I don't even want to at this point. Uh, you but... don't have to. He's pitching at Miami, so he's mm-hmm. going to give up a few hits to Luis Arise, and then he's going to strike everybody else out. That's the, <laughs> but he, That's he's had point. he's had three real excellent scoreless starts, and just he had that one clunker um, since he returned earlier this month from flexor tendon surgery that kept him out the entire first half. Twenty three strikeouts, only three walks in seventeen innings so far. He's throwing harder than he did before the surgery. I, I talked about all this last week, but. Went five scoreless innings against the Giants on his last turn of the Tigers' rotation. I think he could work a little deeper maybe on Sunday at Miami with a good shot at ERA help and some Ks, maybe a win. And I I think I agree that school should be more than just a streamer at this point. Pick him up and keep him for the stretch run. I don't. I kind of wish the Tigers would trade him. They probably won't. He doesn't hit arbitration until this winter, and he's the kind of guy they – they need for that rotation, the, the kind of guy they need to build around and it'd be kind of maybe like selling low on him coming off the injury. But um, yeah, I, I love what we've seen from, from Scooble so far since he returned. And I think he's going to pitch very well at Miami and he is a streamer. And that's all I have to say about that. Fair enough. Uh, Drew, we're not going to talk until after the deadline. So I'll just ask you to close with this. Who's the biggest name in your opinion, that gets dealt before we talk again. 
Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. And do you have any predictions on where? I was just looking. Scooble's 51% rostered on Yahoo. And this, this, sorry. <laughs> it still counts. I, I was it's looking fine. at, I was looking, I was looking at a different site that. That's okay. I, I shouldn't mention their name, but, but they didn't have their updated. That's uh, okay. Uh, anyway. That's okay. Uh, um, I just, I think the Cardinals should trade Paul Goldschmidt because he's not going to be part of their next world series team. You know, and he he would be the biggest fish on the market now that Otani's not moving. I I just think it's time to capitalize. He's only under contract through 2024. He's 36 going on 37 years old. It just makes sense to deal him. I don't I mean Nolan Ar- Arnado maybe, but he's under contract for four more years. If I, I want the Cardinals to do an aggressive rebuild, so I wouldn't mind if they traded Goldschmidt and Arnado. I think it's time for them to do that. And it, it would actually make me excited as a fan to like see what a rebuild would look like. I, I don't know if that I want the current front office to be in charge of it, but that's the thing. Um, was not a streamer at 51% roster. It's fine. You got it. You, you, it it's going to be <laughs> okay. hilarious when you lose this again. Is this, this is the thing. It's like when you lose this again, I'm giving you a starting pitcher pitching in course field. You're getting somebody who's, almost 100% rostered in my personal opinion, in my eyes, and you're still going to lose, Drew. That's hilarious. Uh, it's so funny. It makes me so very happy. If this doesn't happen... Who do you, th- you think is going to get traded? Who, who oh, do you think is going to be the biggest? I'm going to go with... I'm going to say Max Scherzer is going to be the biggest name that's moved. I think Max Scherzer is mm. going to end up playing for somebody else. I, I think there's a Verlander chance... Verlander too, maybe? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that that would be really interesting. Um. I just think, especially after Max Scherzer being not so happy with that trade, which, by the way, yeah, you probably should talk to Max Scherzer about what you're doing. And also, yeah, you probably should have pitched better so that your closer doesn't have to get moved. Max Scherzer has not been great this year. Justin Verlander has been much better as of late. Um, They're certainly not the reason why the Mets are out of contention by any stretch of the imagination. The, The injuries and just the unbelievable inconsistent offensive play is the reason why. And the back end starters have been awful as well for the Mets, but I do think Max Scherzer gets moved. I think I was tempted to go with Juan Soto and I was thinking that like Seattle, maybe with a Logan Gilbert package and stuff like that would be a really interesting one. I just think having him for another year, I don't think Juan Soto is going anywhere, but uh, yeah, I, I think this will be a really you Darvish interesting... maybe you Darvish. Maybe. Would... I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, that's going to be a tough one, I think. I don't remember what you Darvish's contract situation is, to be completely honest with you. But uh, he just signed that extension in February. That's right. It's a that's big right. One. Yeah, that's a big one. So they probably have to attach some stuff, which is crazy. Um, and I hope that somebody. I don't, really I don't think the Padres are going to sell though. They're, they're I hope like, they don't. They could make. They could make a run at it. You know. Yeah, I think. I hope they don't. But it is worth pointing out. <laughs> yeah. One of you yelled at me considerably when I said that the Mets were going to be sellers at the deadline. And one of you also thinks that apparently Tariq Skubal is a streamer. So I'm just going to say, you know, hey, maybe there's a connection there. Maybe there is a little bit of a connection there. I'll never trust I'm done with this. I'm done with this show, Chris. Please end Oh, it. well, you're going to have fun editing it at least. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Drew is at Drew Silve. Please rate and review this show if you like what you're hearing, especially that last few minutes that had to have been gold. Hit that subscribe button as well. 
check out more episodes from a variety of hosts on a variety of topics every day of the week. By the way, tomorrow I'm doing a solo show. I'm going to be answering your questions about prospects or anything that you want to talk about. I will be available. Uh, send me DMs. They're open. I will happily uh, keep you anonymous because I definitely know you don't want your league mates to know what you are talking about. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow.